Okay, hello and welcome. This is Ron Cohen with the Tax Update Podcast. Uh, today is May 12th and it's about nine in the morning. I'm starting to say the date and time because things are going so fast in the tax world, I can barely keep up. Uh, I wanna uh, go through today some issues about economic impact checks issued to deceased people, the eight-week problem with payroll protection program loans, and trillions more may be coming this Friday from the House of Representatives. We'll see. Okay, let's get into a couple of caveats. First of all, take no reliance on anything you hear in this podcast. Before you do anything with tax advice, make sure you have a qualified advisor You've presented them with all the facts and circumstances. They've done their research. You're comfortable with it before you use any tax advice in any transaction or put numbers on a tax return and file it. Secondly, plagiarism is okay. Here on tax practice, we obviously take information from the U.S. government, uh, from other tax advisors who've put things out on the internet. I give credit when I can, but don't assume anything here is an original thought. We just uh, try to get the best answer for our clients. Third, no politics. Uh, you can listen to podcasts all day and night, as I often do, and uh, hear about uh, Republicans and Democrats and uh, political policy, although I will mention at times how tax policy, how political uh, policies fit into tax policy. Okay, uh, we do uh, lots of returns for over 1,000 clients. We do planning, we do all kinds of tax work here. We're at uh, Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson, and Company. Our phone number is 510-797-8661. Call any time. Happy to talk a little bit to see if we can help. Uh, fourth, uh, I am no cheerleader for the tax law. Tax law is way overcomplicated. It's intrusive. It's tedious. It's boring. Every simple little issue has a flowchart of 15 boxes to get through. And it doesn't even raise enough money to run the government. So it, it needs to be overhauled. However, saying that, when you file a tax return or do planning, you always have to try to get an A plus. Not an A, not a B plus, not a C, an A plus. Even though even the IRS half the time can't even figure out the laws Congress passed, we as tax professionals and preparers always have to try to do it absolutely as best we can. And so we do. All right, our website is www.groco.com, groco.com. All right, so let's get into uh, one simple thing right off the top is uh, with these economic impact checks, or some people are calling them stimulus checks, uh, a lot of them have been received, I think over 90 million uh, payments have been made by direct deposit, if the IRS had your direct deposit information. Uh, most of our clients, uh, their income is too high, so they're not getting a check um, because they phased out. Their income was too high. Uh, but there are there's an issue going on. There's a number of issues, but I'll just pick on one of them, where checks are being mailed out to deceased taxpayers. So here's a scenario. Someone passed away in 2018. They filed their 2018 return. On the return, it was clearly marked. They were deceased, which we always do to make sure IRS computer knows the person has passed away and won't be looking for a tax return in the future. And lo and behold, uh, on these uh, checks being sent out, uh, the uh, people are getting checks that say right on the check, here's the name and address of the person. And even on the check, it's printed DEC period, which just stands for deceased. So the IRS computer 
clearly knew because it printed on the check that the person was deceased. And so when you get these checks, it comes in an envelope and it says, you know, if this person is deceased, just check this box right on the envelope and go throw it in a mailbox. So people have uh, dutifully trying to do the right thing uh, have done that, thrown in a mailbox. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, uh, another check is coming back to them uh, to replace the first one, which I've run into a problem with some of the IRS computers. Again, they're trying to make payments for 120 or 30 million people. And so um, there's going to be hiccups. Uh, but I just wanted to touch base on, on what you do to try, if you have this problem, to correctly resolve it. Don't, don't, please don't, don't, don't put the check back in the envelope, back, that back, don't put the envelope in the mailbox with the box checked. I mean, there's so many privacy and issues. I've had clients where the U.S. Post Office has stolen and modified their checks and cashed it. So uh, careful, careful, careful. I'm not accusing the post office of all their people doing it, but it does happen. So the thought of checking the box and on the envelope and throwing it back in the mail in the post office, uh, you know, in a mailbox, um, is not appealing to me. Here's what you do: you open the envelope, you s- draw five lines through it. And it's called crossing it, right? So it's non-negotiable, front and back. Draw lines through it so nobody can go to the bank and do anything with it. Then in a separate envelope, in a separate uh, writing, you write a nice letter to the IRS and you say, well, you've sent us this money. We're not entitled to it. Uh, The person's deceased. Hey, ding-dongs, of course they're deceased. You wrote on the check they were deceased, so you know they're deceased. And we've crossed out the check so it can't be cashed. And please take us off off the records. um, And that's the end of it, right? And you mail it certified mail. Uh, this is the Ron Cohen rule, which I stole from other people, is that uh, often when you mail things to the IRS, if it's not certified, sometimes I can't prove it. I don't have, you know, uh, pictures of them doing it, but often they get thrown away. What happens is a whole bunch of letters pile up on some IRS person's desk in Fresno or in or- uh, Ogden, Utah. And there's a rule that if you write them and more than 45 days go by, they have to write you back and say, well, we got your letter, but we're working on it. And I will say most of the time they do and they follow that procedure. But I know for a fact from certain filings I've made and letters I've written, you know, four or five months go by, nothing, we call back and they say, we never got it. Say, well, of course you got it. The taxpayer mailed it. So, So they say, well, we never got it. Well, I know what happened. Their desk got a little high. They couldn't keep up and they just throw them away. Uh, Can't prove it. No, it happens though. Absolutely. So when you mail something to the IRS or the Franchise Tax Board, certified, return receipt requested. It seems tedious. It seems petty. Why should I have to do that? I'm a good American trying to take care of my taxes. But when there's a post office number, the IRS input people see that and they say, oh, 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 this one's certified. They know that you have the number. They know that you're getting the little green card back return receipt. And to my experience, those always get replied to because you can prove it got delivered. And so um, in order to resolve the issue, uh, take out the check, put lines through it, write a nice little letter, send it to them certified mail, return receipt requested, and that, in my experience in the past, seems to work. They, uh, they will go, oh, okay. Uh, one, they'll actually not throw away your letter because you, you have proof it was received by them through the return receipt card, keep copies of everything for 10 years, always, always, 
anytime you deal with them. Uh, that's far beyond the statute of limitations, which is normally three or four years for California. But um, uh, uh, I've seen issues come up and you just want to keep things until there's no possible way it can ever come back uh, to, to uh, haunt you in any way. And so that's would be my two cents if a client gets a check from a deceased taxpayer. Now, a lot of people take a different view. They say, hey, Congress passed this, uh, this, uh, this uh, law. Uh, you guys sent me a check. Uh, you must have sent me a check because my deceased parent or, or relative, whatever, uh, paid their taxes. They're entitled to check. I'm cashing a check. And uh, that's it. It's my money. Well, okay. We'll see if that works out. Um, but that's uh, not my recommendation. If you know that um, they're not entitled to it. Um, so uh, more on that as that uh, develops. But that that's the right procedure that's been successful to try to. The other, the other thing is to just keep the money in the bank account and wait two or three years until you're really clear that uh, uh, they're not going to come back asking for it. Uh, but that's, uh, again, that's risky if you don't think, um, if you think you're, you're not entitled to it because the person was deceased. Okay. So that is, uh, that issue. Okay. Now, more importantly, let's go to the, uh, PPP loans. Uh, a couple of things last week, we'll have, uh, references in the show notes. Uh, there's a big issue about the deductibility of PPP loans. Now we covered this last uh, episode, so I'm not going to go through it all um, in such detail. You can listen to the last episode. Uh, but the issue was, are the related expenses that you use the PPP money uh, deductible? And my quick, um, not so quick analysis was, along with a lot of other tax professionals, that, well, no, it's not deductible because you receive a loan uh, and it's going to be forgiven. If you have forgiveness of indebtedness income, which is a thing that's taxable. If you have a credit card discharge of some sort, uh, that's income. You have to pay tax on it unless you're completely bankrupt or insolvent. Again, lots of things to think about if you ever get a 1099 that says you have income from discharge of indebtedness. So under the PPP rules, that discharge is not income. Okay. If it's not income, but then you use it to pay expenses, well, those expenses can't be deductible because that would be a double benefit. One, you have income that has been uh, uh, forgiven, it's not income, then you use it to pay certain expenses, you've basically been reimbursed for those expenses with non-taxable income. And um, so the IRS put out notice 2020-32 saying, here you go, we just want to clarify that of course you don't get a double benefit. You don't get to get forgiven for the loan as income, then use the loan to pay an expense and get a deduction. Because if you get a deduction for the money you, you spent using money that was tax-free income, you're going to drain the treasury. Now, now these PPP loans, I think they're up to five or $600 billion that have been put out there. And so if uh, the taxpayer at the corporate rate of 21% flat rate or through S-corps or partnerships or however, sole proprietorships, you get you know a, a tax benefit of, let's say, 30%. Um, if you take uh, $500 billion and the government, by giving you a deduction for a light, for the, the underlying expenses, yeah, you, you've got another $150 billion of tax benefit that, um, that wasn't planned for. So there's been some discussion amongst uh, tax people on our, on our chat rooms and all that. Uh, some are saying, well, this is terrible that they're taking away the deductions. Others 
are saying, well, of course, under the matching principle for accounting and under the rules for tax-exempt income, of course you don't get the deduction. Uh, well, uh, Stephen Mnuchin, the, the, um, the Secretary of Treasury, I'm happy to say, kind of agreed with me. Well, not me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't care about me. <laughs> but he said, hey, we, we thought about this long and hard before we issued that ruling, and we came up with that this was basically tax 101. Of course, it's not, you can't deduct expenses that you're paying for with a tax-free reimbursement. You get to deduct expenses that are, that are a result, this is my words, not his, uh, you know, result from uh, activity that's a trade or business. You get to deduct them to offset taxable income, revenue. Well, here there is no taxable revenue, so any money you got is a mere reimbursement of the expense. You don't have to recognize the income. You don't get the deduction. So he, he explained that as basically tax 101, which I agreed. But maybe we're wrong. A bunch of senators immediately wrote a letter to the Treasury. It's in our show notes saying, no, that's not what we meant at all. We wanted them to get the tax-free income and we wanted them to get the deduction. Now, getting into some of the technical mechanics of that, this is, uh, this is really interesting because that means the bill was misscored. You know, every, every bill that goes before Congress goes to the Office of Management and Budget and they get out their super spreadsheets and they say, this provision is going to cost the government this. And this provision is going to cost the government that. Well, when the bill was scored, they did not consider the extra $150 billion of tax benefit for, for deducting expenses that were basically being reimbursed with tax-free money under the PPP loans. Of course, that's caveat, caveat. You have to satisfy all the rules to make it tax-free, but I'm passing on that. Um, so the uh, congressmen and senators got together. And uh, they are working on Senate Bill 3512, the Small Business Expense, Expense Protection Act, which is uh, something I'll talk about in a minute, where the legislature, Congress is trying to get another set of bills out. And in that bill, they are clearly saying these are deductible. So um, the news is, hey, uh, Congress can do whatever it wants if it's constitutional. That's really just the form of an additional subsidy. You get the PPP income for free. It's for free, given for free. You uh, spend it on certain items, and the items are deductible. Again, by my quick math, that's probably $150 billion of additional subsidy that they hadn't planned for. But the gates are open right now, and, uh, and uh, the Senate will perhaps pass that bill. We'll see. And if it gets passed by the House and signed by the president, uh, that was, at least to me, was an unanticipated benefit. So not only, again, you get the PPP loan and you also get the deductions paid with the money that uh, came from the PPP loans, uh, defies basic accounting and tax principles, but that's okay. Congress can change them as long as they're not unconstitutional uh, by letting those things be deductible. So again, the, the keys to the kingdom on that are notice 2020-32. If you uh, want to you know, have any questions, again, it's in the show notes. We're also attaching the letter from the senator's uh, where they go through why uh, the Treasury Department's analysis is wrong. And I'm wrong. They're saying you're wrong. That's not how this should work. There was a deduction. We always intended there, there to be deduction. I respectfully disagree. The, the uh, legislative history is clear. You can't get a double benefit. But the Congress can change the rule and give them such. And it looks like a bill is going through to do that. Okay. Now, uh, moving on in PPP loans. I want to uh, cover a couple of issues. I know a lot of my clients have gotten these loans. People are waiting for these loans. There's a political issue 
and a banking issue of how come some companies have gotten them and other companies are still waiting and uh, some companies have gotten them but shouldn't have gotten them, of course. Uh, I mean, based on uh, there's there's cases about Harvard and uh, Qualcomm came up in the news the other day. Hey, this is a really big company with thousands of employees. This was supposed to be for companies with less than 500 employees. Well, really, the bill said it was less than 500 employees per location, right? So Qualcomm went to their numbers and said, well, we have less than 500 employees uh, per our 15 different locations. So we qualify. And they went through their bank and they went through the SBA and they got approved because they did qualify. Well, now Congress and Secretary of Treasury saying, well, that's what it says, but that's not what we meant. Uh, so they're going back to these companies and saying, please give the money back because you're a big public company with billions of dollars in the bank. And that's not what we intended. Some of the companies are giving the money back. Uh, they're looking for a legislative fix and on and on. That Again, that gets uh, pretty, pretty political. But assuming you completely qualify and there's no, there's no issue, I, I will just bend into saying, you know, the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse has been roundly attacked. Ruth's Chris, this is, you know, if you've ever gone there, this is a super premium steakhouse, right? Prime ribs, and they come to your table with the with the silver thing and open it up, and they slice the prime rib right in front of you. And but you know this this is a three hundred dollar dinner for you and your wife, maybe more, right? So why why is Ruth's Chris? Well, I said, well, wait a minute. Ruth's Chris Steakhouse has cooks and waiters and uh, you know and, and bar people and and all kinds of people. I mean, the, the money was made to protect their salaries. Uh, but, but politically, that story uh, didn't fly, and they've shamed uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse into giving back their PPP money uh, because it's a super high-end restaurant. I, yeah. Okay, again, leaving the politics aside, uh, that's not what the statute said, and I think um, uh, um, it's unfortunate that they're being bullied a little bit. But again, we try to keep politics out of this. So you got your PPP loan, God willing. Um, you got your magic number from the SBA, you got through your bank, you, you did all the DocuSign documents correctly, uh, and boom, the money hit your bank account. And now the issue is, all right, well, I want this to be forgiven. Now, you have to spend it on payroll costs, which is extremely broad, been clarified. It's all kinds of payroll, commissions, salaries, retirement benefit contributions, and on and on. Mortgage interest payments, rent payments. Now, the interesting dilemma was that the amount of the loan was computed based on your payroll for, I think, two and a half months, and it didn't include the rent. So people were screaming and yelling, and there was a problem is, hey, my biggest exp expense is not payroll, it's rent. So the amount I can borrow is severely limited because the amount I can borrow is, is based on payroll, and my business model isn't based on payroll, it's based on rent. Well, that hasn't been changed, but assuming you get the loan because you have, uh, you know, adequate amount of payroll to uh, come up with that calculation of the amount that's available, then you can spend the money on payroll, mortgage interest, rent payments, utility payments. Again, I looked that up for a client very broadly defined uh, utilities, you know, the internet, um, uh, the trash, the water, the phone service, uh, very broadly uh, defined in, uh, interest payments, even the interest on this loan. Uh, which is, I believe, at 1% the banks get, that that can throw, be thrown into a pool as a qualifying payment, and some other things. The dilemma that has come up is the timing issue. So a business is eligible for forgiveness of the full principal amount of the PPP loan and any accrued interest provided 
the business uses all the loan proceeds for the forgivable purpose over the eight-week period starting on the date the business receives the loan proceeds. Oh, my goodness. And I'm hearing stories that this is a real problem. This is a real problem. Let's say you're the vast majority of your costs are payroll, you know, restaurants and so forth and uh, all kinds of manufacturing, whatever. Um, and when this was all going on, I remember, oh, you know, this, 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 this terrible virus will come and it will rise in cases and then it will decline. And we just have to hold over the economy for a th- few weeks or a month. I mean, it's a, if we, we have to flatten the curve, again, I'm trying to not get too political, uh, but it, it will only be a while. Well, I think we're on almost 60 days of lockdown here in, in California. It might be a few days short of that. And uh, I think uh, when this bill was being written, uh, nobody expected this to go on this long, in, in my humble opinion. So the, the, the horror story is I do everything right. I'm a small business. I apply for my PPP loan. I have enough payroll over a two-month period multiplied by blah, blah. And I, uh, I get my loan. I get through the SBA. I become, became a full-time job for these people. I go to bank one. Their, their allocation's gone. Congress comes up with another allocation. I've gone to three different banks. One of them comes through, even though I'm not some huge company that, uh, that they put at the top of the list. I got my money. Now, week after week goes by. Here I am in California, in beautiful downtown Fremont, California. I forgot to say that's our location. And um, which is about 40 miles south of San Francisco. But these weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks go by. I'm on a fuse. I'm on a short fuse. I have eight-week period starting with the date of the loan to uh, spend the loan proceeds on those four or five different categories of expenses. If I don't, the loan is not forgivable. And now I'm hearing these horror stories that people who went all through this to try to save themselves and got the money are being advised by the attorneys and everything. Well, you just you, if you can't spend it, it's not going to be forgiven and you don't want to have the loan, you, you got to give the money back. And boy, far from me to say that how what the procedure might be for that, uh, before you do anything, you got to check into it, go talk to your banker. They, they know what's going on. But, but again, as these days go by and their employees can't come to work or don't want to come to work, uh, uh, especially here in the nine county area around the San Francisco Bay, they're literally locked out. Uh, there's a big issue going on with Tesla right now, where they're um, uh, 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 they're, they're they've opened up uh, contrary to uh, the rules ordered by the health commission. Don't want to go too far into that, uh, but for most people that don't have the wherewithal or the or the inclination to take on the the county sheriff's department and uh, open up uh, outside an order, their employees aren't there, so they don't have the payroll cost. They may have some rents and so forth. And they're saying, well, and it isn't all or nothing, right? Maybe they borrowed two hundred thousand, and they have rent for seventy or eighty thousand, but they won't have enough within the eight-week period from the date of the loan to make the whole thing forgiveness uh, forgiven. This is horrible. This is horrible to have to give back the money or to leave it as a loan and make payments into the future. Uh, uh, th- this is this is just being. First of all, you're you've, you're down, right? Uh, a terrible thing has happened. You're scrambling to try to survive. Uh, You get some relief. The relief comes with strings. Uh, The lockdown goes on so long that you don't make the eight-week period, and you literally are facing the the need to either give the money back or keep the loan. And uh, all I can say, you know, there's a lot of variables to this. 
but uh, Sweet Tomatoes, which is just down the street here, uh, which is also in the same company as Soup Plantation, uh, they bagged it. They just said, they said we're, we're, we're bankrupt. They went to the bankruptcy court. Uh, PPP loan or not, uh, the place is closed. It's basically a buffet style, right? The health commission has shut down those, uh, those, um, those types of restaurants and buffets within supermarkets or any other kinds of stores offering buffets. Why? Because you stand over the food and breathe on it. You know, even though there's some glass plates blocking you from this, forget it. All those buffet things are closed uh, for the time being. And Sweet Tomatoes is, is bankrupt. Whether they'll come out of bankruptcy uh, when this thing lifts in some other form, uh, who knows. But um, rambling on a bit, watch that eight-week period because uh, you have to, you took the PPP money, you signed a certification that you will use it for certain things. Nobody knew this virus would go on this long. You weren't able to bring your employees back. And now um, what was a good thing is becoming a bad thing. And you have to work with your bank and your lawyer to figure out, um, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, uh, unintended consequences. Perhaps in this next set of legislation, which is my next point, uh, they'll, they'll put in a fix for this, right? Nobody knew this would happen. It would go on this long. Perhaps they'll extend it from eight weeks to 16 weeks. I haven't heard that. Uh, I don't want to say it's in the legislation. One of the problems in monitoring these issues is um, uh, so hard to stay out of politics. But this is about tax policy, is that uh, my understanding currently, uh, quoting Fox News, which isn't always right, is that uh, the, the next bill, uh, with, which is intended to give state and local governments a bailout, uh, will also in, uh, have some provisions related, as I mentioned before, about the uh, deductibility of PPP expenses. Perhaps they will change the eight-week period to 16 weeks or to, hey, take it off. Just take it off entirely. Look, if, if within two we- years you spend the money for the right purpose, what the heck? Just give it to them, right? And uh, open up the gates of hell, right, in terms of debt and just, just let it go because the intent was to help uh, the, the poor um, uh, uh, not by their own uh, um, you know, fault, uh, small businessmen, one of the uh, things that has gone terribly wrong is, you know, they thought they were trying to expedite, get money out to small businesses going through the banks. At least let's have some uh, oversight. We'll have banks involved. Well, well, now on the next round, they're saying, let's just give the money directly to the small business. Cut the bank out. We don't, these banks, you know, they're, they're, they're prioritizing their clients. They're sometimes slow. There's all these hiccups. Let's go, boom, just send the money right to the small business. Well, I can't argue about that, the, but the issue is, uh, so my point in, in my uh, rambling was nobody knows what the new bill says because as I understand, the, the uh, Speaker Pelosi has her, her small group of staffers and, and Congress people and uh, senators uh, kind of writing the bill in secret. Uh, it's not out there. Uh, there's no committee hearings. There's no debate. And uh, the plan right now, as reported by uh, UPI uh, on May 11th, is that uh, this coming Friday, perhaps, if they get it all together, uh, boom, a bill will hit the House floor uh, for bailouts for the state governments and with other cleanup provisions, technical corrections to try to fix some of the problems, deductibility issues, and um, this eight-week uh, fuse on, on spending. Nobody wants to hurt small business. Um, they want to help. 
but how you get that in the statute correctly. And, and you know, there's a lot of discussion now that this virus will continue to go on for months and months, which will just be a disaster on so many different levels. Uh, let's hope that that doesn't happen. Okay, so again, uh, so in the bill that uh, nobody's seen, that Nancy Pelosi, uh, Speaker Pelosi, and uh, Mitch McConnell's been involved uh, saying, slow down, we're not sure we want to go there. Um, they're, they're, they're responding to how Mayor News, uh, Governor Newsom has said that uh, California is now projecting a $54 billion deficit for uh, the current year. Now, okay, that's a big, big, big number. Let's put it in perspective. Well, the total budget for California, uh, big, big state, right, 40 million people, is projected to be $140 billion. So the deficit is 39% of $140 billion. That's just, that's catastrophe. That is, for those of you who don't understand state financing, uh, most states really try hard to have no deficit for a very simple political (laughs) and economic reasons. Unlike the federal government, states cannot print money. They can borrow some, but they can't print money, right? The federal government can run a deficit. They go to the Federal Reserve Bank, pass a bill. Treasury goes out and issues another treasury bond and creates more money from nothing, literally. Um, uh, That's how that federal, states can't do that. So almost every state has a constitutional provision somewhere that, you know, we really have to balance our budget. California does too. And things were looking really good. The state was having like a $10 billion surplus uh, for the current year until the virus came about. Now they're looking at a $54 billion deficit. And that's like game over. That's checkmate. The state can't function. Now we're getting into serious, serious stuff. We're talking about police and firemen and teachers and, you know, uh, making sure the roads work. I mean, we're, we're talking about serious problems in your day-to-day life. Um, so Governor Newsom has asked for the bail, as has New York and Illinois and many other states. They're trying to pile in there. Some issues about state pension underfunding. We talked about that last, uh, last week. I don't want to get too political on that issue about why those deficits uh, exist. But that's all in the bill coming up Friday. I all, will only say that unlike the last two bills that were bipartisan, where literally there was like one no vote in uh, the, the other bills, this one is not going to be bipartisan. This one's going to be party line for the most part. And uh, uh, But I, I, I shouldn't pontificate. We'll see what happens. But we can't say too much about what's going to happen because we haven't seen the bill. And so once again, we have this horrible thing uh, uh, not blaming any party that we haven't seen in this country where you have legislations of, of, of lit- you know, the, the federal government spends about four and a half trillion dollars a year and they're passing bills a trillion dollars at a time. Right now, they've already passed between the additional uh, expenditures through the Federal Reserve Bank and uh, uh, straightforward spending by Congress. You know, they're up to about eight trillion that they've authorized. Federal government takes in four and a half trillion a year. So that's that's almost two years of the te- entire federal budget. And 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 uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi says several trillion more are coming. Uh, I will just again to bend into politics for a moment. We'll say at one point, what point will the credit rating agencies lift their ugly faces <laughs> and say um, that AAA and I think S and P is AAA minus? It's going down. And when that happens, that will be a catastrophe because it hasn't happened 
significant. It happened once under President Obama's administration. S&P went from AAA to AAA minus. Uh, the market seemed to take a yawn and move on. But um, uh, if there's a significant uh, credit hit to U.S. Treasury bonds, God only knows what will happen there. Okay, so um, we talked about the eight-week dilemma. We talked about trillions more coming. We talked about deductibility for PPP expenses. We talked about checks for deceased people. Things are happening so fast we can barely keep up, but I hope this information is, is helpful. I will just say again, take no reliance on anything you hear on this podcast. Make sure before you take any actions, validate it. You can call us, 510-797-8661, uh, or uh, get your own professional and uh, make sure you get things right. Get an A-plus on those tax returns. Um, and so that's what's going on. I, I picked... <laughs> Uh, of the 50 th- things going on, that's the top three or four that I thought I'd mention in our podcast. And I hope this is helpful information for you. We'll be doing this again next week. And I uh, hope you all stay safe. Thank you very much. <laughs>